We're looking at this whole theme of hunger and hungry to grow. That's our theme. And I want to start with some fundamental principles just to lay a foundation, okay? Firstly, anything that's healthy should grow. Am I right? Anything that's healthy should grow. That's true in the animal world, in the plant world, and for us as human beings. And that's true also spiritually as well. Ephesians 4 verse 15 to 16, Paul says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow, and he's talking about the church, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Let me explain that. Jesus, okay, in bodily form, when Jesus went away, he said, basically, now I'm going to leave a body on earth and that body will be the church. Okay, so when you hear in the Bible about things like body and stuff, he's talking about the church, which is us. From him, that's from Christ as the head, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So anything that's healthy should grow. Principle number two, anything that's growing will reproduce. Anything that's growing will reproduce. Again, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, Paul again writes, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. It's like as you grow, because you're healthy, that becomes infectious and contagious, and it reproduces after itself. So anything that's healthy will grow, and anything that's growing will reproduce. But here's the third principle. Not everything that should grow does grow. Not everything that should grow does grow. And so one day Jesus is walking along and he comes um, to a, a, a fig tree which is, which, is, which is not growing, which has lost its fruit. And uh, uh, he looks at the fig tree and, and there's nothing on it. And it should be growing, but it isn't. And, and, and he talks about, okay, so you need to come and dig it up. So dig at the roots and, and so you dig it first. And if, you don't, if that doesn't work, then you dung it because you put fertilizer and manure on it. But if that doesn't work, you discard it because it's taking up soil. This should be growing and bearing fruit, and it isn't. So do what you can, dig it and dung it. But if that doesn't work, discard it because it's taking up soil. That's a big principle. You see, the longer you go, the harder it is to grow. That's true as an individual. It's true as a married couple, if you're in a relationship. And it's also true as a church. And I want to talk about it for an individual. You see, I love this quote. It's anonymous. I don't know who said it, but the only person you should compare yourself to is the person you used to be. Have you grown as an individual? Are you growing intellectually? Are you growing emotionally? Are you growing spiritually? You know, last week I was, um, I've been away a lot recently. I, I know you know that. I'm here now uh, for this section of time. And I was away in Singapore and then we were away in Budapest for a holiday um, last weekend. And then Monday to Wednesday, I was in Peterborough for a conference with 50 other churches. Um, so there was 250 of us and all of the churches are churches with over 500 people in. Okay, so we were one of the smaller churches in that. And it's very easy in an environment like that to, to be comparison as a leader, you know, to compare yourself to other people. But but the only people that we should compare ourselves to is the people we used to be. To say, have we grown? Have we grown or not? And the guy that, uh, that was hosting the event is uh, the leader of, of one of the biggest churches in the UK, a church for around 2,000 people. And I don't know him personally, but I know someone who does know him. And we were chatting at the conference and he said to me, what you don't know about that guy is this. Even though he's really bright, brainy, like a PhD, master's, very academic, he said, he is the most voracious learner I've ever met. He's like, if he thinks you know something that he doesn't know, he sucks it out of you is what he said, like the Dementor in Harry Potter. I don't think it was like that. But he says, literally, he wants to grow so much that if there's anyone that he ever meets who knows anything that he thinks, actually, and he'll stop them and he'll say, actually, 
Can you say that again? I don't know that. I don't know what you know and I want to know it. I thought, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. I want to be someone that is always wanting to grow as an individual. But you know, I want our marriages to grow as well. Last year, Alison and myself did a couple of marriage sessions for us. And we look at this concept that we're developing stronger for longer. This idea, you know, we've been married 28 years on Monday, just gone. And my, our heart and prayer is that our marriage will be stronger the longer it goes, not the weaker. I don't want to go weaker the longer we are. But yet I know so many people, and I'm not mean this judgmental, I mean this with all sadness, whose, whose marriage is great, and then who have kids, and then who hit midlife, and then the kids grow and they leave, school, uh, leave home, and all of a sudden the, the, the couple look at each other across the breakfast table, and who are you? And marriages fall apart because we don't grow. We've got to grow. And it's also true of churches as well. A guy called Jared Cooper said this, Beware when your church starts seeking to grow old together, rather than living from one generation to the next. In the kingdom, every generation must embrace the next to ensure a bright future. That takes guts, intention, and humility. You see, the longer you go, the harder it is to grow. It's true as an individual. It's true as a couple. It's true as a church. So how do you stay hungry to grow? How do you stay hungry to grow? I want to give you three, what I think are catalytic factors that will cause us to stay hungry to grow. Number one, desire. You have to want it. You have to want it. I love this quote. If you're not dead, you're not done. Anyone not dead today? All right, some of you are not quite so sure. Do you want to take the pulse of the person next to you? Okay, if you're not dead, you're not done. And I don't care whether you're retired or not, and you think, oh, I'm retired now. So what? You know how to grow. You've got to grow. We are anything that's healthy will grow. Anything that's growing will reproduce. But not everything that should grow does grow. But if you're not dead, you're not done. Do you have appetite? Do you have hunger? It comes from desire. You have to want to grow. Mark Twain said this 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do than by the ones you did. So throw off the ropes, sail away from the safe harbour, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream and discover. I read that yesterday morning in our elders meeting, which is the elders are the leaders of the church. And we gathered for three hours yesterday morning, we had breakfast together and we prayed together, we laughed together, we agonised together over decisions. And we read that at the start and we prayed with all passion that this would be the greatest season of growth that our church has ever known. And I don't just mean more numbers, I mean more growth. I mean growth in our relationship with Jesus. I mean growth in our, in our engagement in the mission that Jesus put us on the planet for. And that's not going to come from playing it safe, guys. In 20 years' time, I don't want to look back and think, oh, why didn't we do that? I don't mind looking back and saying, why did we do that? That didn't really work that well, did it? I'd rather do that than look back and say, why didn't we do that? We didn't do that because we were too afraid. And yet, actually, you'll never grow unless you have a desire. So as an individual, do you want it? As a married couple, do you want it? As a church, do you want it? It's so, so important. Why do we lose the desire to grow? I was trying to think of a way to express it. CBB is all I could think. Can't be bothered because there is another version out there that some of you younger people will know. But that's one of the reasons we don't want to grow. We can't be bothered. We just have that sense of apathy. And I think it's like, well, you know, if I grow, then, then that's kind of going gonna to be stretching and I just can't be bothered. But I think actually more than that is fear. A fear of what might happen. A fear of what could happen if I grow. You see, you don't grow unless you change. And if you change, you move into the unknown, don't you? 
And I think many of us don't grow and our marriages don't grow and our churches don't grow because we'd rather be content with what we know than step into what we don't know. But can I tell you, that's not a way for us to live. That's not a way that God wants us to live. God calls us into an adventure of becoming more and more human, becoming more and more as He intended us to be on the planet. And that means we've got to grow as an individual. Spiritually, are you growing? Don't not compare yourself to someone next to you. Compare yourself to who you used to be. Are you growing spiritually? You know, it's interesting. Um, you know, newborn babies have a desire to grow, don't they? And the Bible uses this metaphor of the natural to compare it with the spiritual. And in 1 Peter 2, verse 2 to 3, it says this. Um, Peter says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. In other words, and many of you know that because you've just become Christians. Many of you in this room and those listening to me, you, you've recently become Christians. So you've tasted that the Lord is good, and now you need that milk so that you can begin to grow. But here's the thing. But you don't stay on the milk, do you? In the natural. You don't, do you? Some of you are not quite sure. I'm worried about you if that's the case. You don't. And then the Bible says in Hebrews 5, listen, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. You used to grow, to grow but now you don't. Then he says this, in fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. So now, when you were young, a young Christian, you needed milk. You don't feed a baby on steak. But when you're old, if you're still drinking milk, you're missing out on the steak. Something's really wrong. He says this, you need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. If I had a pound for every time I've heard this next line, I would be a very, very wealthy man. In church, you hear it all the time. And I go and I interact with lots of other people in lots of other churches. And the interesting thing is this. Some of them are in churches that are led by people, okay, who many of us would listen to on podcast, but people in their church still say this same line to them. I'm not being fed. I have to say, if you're a three-year-old baby, it's very legitimate to say, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, feed me, and I will feed you even as a 13-year-old. But when my 23-year-old comes and says, I'm not being fed, I'm hungry, I say, mate, there's a fridge over there. Feed yourself. Because that's growth, isn't it? That's being mature. And I want to say to you as a Christian, if you're not being fed, there's a fridge. Get off your backside and get to the fridge. And you open the fridge and there's the Bible and there's teaching and there's literature, and there's books, and there's mentors, and there's people you can go to, and there's places you can go. There's a whole way you can be fed. Please, we have to grow up. We have to grow up as an individual. We have to grow up as a couple and, and in our marriages. And we also have to grow as a church. You know, I'm, and if you're a guest this morning and you're new here, okay, or you're listening to, to this and, and you're just checking in with us, I want to just say a few things about our church, okay? Because this is a massive season for us. I am so thrilled to belong to a church which has always had a desire to grow. We have always been hungry to grow. In fact, we said goodbye to a dear lady this week. I was gutted that I couldn't make the funeral of Dorothy this week 
who passed away and is, is with Jesus now, who for many, many years has been a, a, a rock here in this church and been right here from the early days. And many that I can think of that have paved the way for us. And we give God thanks for heroes of the faith like Dorothy. Uh, but you know, our story as a church is that we began in 1979 where a lady called Margaret started to pray for a church to be started here in Hales Owen. A small group of people gathered around her and then they met in a house and that house filled up with these people. They were full and they were having a great time. But they didn't stay as a full house because they wanted to grow. So they took on a building, a little Methodist chapel on the Stourbridge Road called Zion Methodist Chapel, affectionately known as Little Zion. And they quickly grew and, and they grew to over 100 people. And I remember at the time I was, I was a teenager then, I think, or a late teenager in the Salvation Army. And I used to go along sometime to some of the meetings and remember how it was full in the balcony and people were hanging over the balcony, not because they were weirdly Pentecostal, although they were a bit, uh, but, but because they were really hungry and they couldn't all fit in the building. And they didn't say, hey, we're full, we're going to stay. No, they said, no, no, we need to grow. And so they, built, they bought the building next door in 1986, 66,000 square feet of old factory building, 150 people rattling around in that for years. And then years later, when, when we'd filled that building, we didn't say, hey, this is great. We've got a great building. It's full. Loads of people had come in. Lots of things happening. Because we're hungry to grow, so we bought more buildings. And aren't you glad we did? When 18 months ago, we had a fire next door. And the very next week, we moved into here. And in two weeks' time, we're going to move out of here to the back and we're going to refurbish this. And we're not just content with that. We're not just content with one community. We're now, this afternoon, starting work in another community because we're hungry to grow. And I'm so glad and grateful to God that as a church, we have always had a desire to grow. Long may it be the case. Amen. So do you want it? Have you got a desire to grow? But that's not the only catalytic factor in growth. The second one, the one that we're not going to like very much, is pain. Pain. You have to embrace it. Robin, can you catch that for me? And, and I, I want to say this because this is so important. I know that some of you are in pain right now. Some of you are going through pain. Now, please let me be really clear. I am not saying that God is causing the pain. But I am going to say this. You can grow through pain. Pain can become your friend if you learn to embrace it. And this is something that I've drawn uh, before for you. And so the cameraman is going to help me with this. Uh, but growth has to equal change. You cannot grow if you're not changing. Am I right? You got it. Growth always equals change. But the thing is with change, when change comes, it always equals loss. There's always an element of loss when change comes. And loss, okay, often in our experience, can equal pain. Therefore, we can deduce that growth actually equals pain. I want to suggest if you're not in pain, you're not growing. If you're not in pain, you're not growing. We've got to embrace pain if we want to grow. Growth equals change. Change always equals loss. Loss equals pain. Therefore, growth equals pain. And, and, I, and I want to say that because, you know, I think we all like change that benefits us directly, don't we? We love that. So we've got a promotion at work or a new job or a new car or something. We all love that kind of change. But we all struggle with the change that threatens our sense of stability, security or significance. Am I right? So it's like, oh, change. Oh, good change. Like that. Oh, struggling change. But change is if we don't want to grow, don't have any change. But if we want to grow, we have to embrace pain change and 
loss. Let me just give you a little illustration, okay? Some of you will key into this, and some of you younger guys will not have a clue what I'm talking about. But how many of you know that in the last 50 or 60 years in this country, eating and food has changed a lot? Am I right? So 1950s, okay? In the 1950s, this is what would happen. Pasta had not been invented, and a takeaway was a mathematical problem. In the 1950s, all crisps were plain, and your only choice was, do you put salt on them or not? Anyone remember? Little salt bags, blue bags? I don't remember them. I'm way too young for that. In the 1950s, rice was a milk pudding, and it was never part of your dinner, okay? And, uh, and a Big Mac you wore in the rain. That was all it was. Tea was made in a teapot and never green. And coffee was camp and came in a bottle. Some of you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about now. When I mentioned the word camp, because camp, that word's changed as well over the years. Fish didn't have fingers. And in those days, eating fish that was raw, that's called poverty, not sushi. That's what it was. <laughs> Cooking outside was called camping. A kebab wasn't even a word, let alone a food. Muesli was available. It was called cattle feed. And water that came out of a tap, if anyone bottled it or suggested bottling it and charging more than petrol for it, you become a laughing stock. And in the 1950s, the only thing, the thing that you never had on your table was your elbows. And you remember that, yeah? But you see, things have changed. And with the change that comes through life, we experience some loss and some pain, but we also experience some growth. And I love this phrase that I've found on the internet. It says, change is hard at first, messy in the middle, but gorgeous at the end. I just love that phrase. Change is hard at first, messy in the middle, but gorgeous at the end. So I just want to take a few minutes to talk to you about some of the changes that you and I are going to go through as a church over the next few weeks, because there's going to be lots. So in two weeks' time, we're going to change our name. We'll be Life Central Church. We're already looking at the children's work. Obviously, we've got to bring changes in there as well. This afternoon, we start at Hagley. So there's a group of people that normally would be here in the morning and they're at home. And they're getting ready to start there at Hagley. That's change. And then right after Easter Sunday, the next day after Easter Sunday, when you're on, on Bank Holiday Monday, we begin the process here of clearing everything out of this room and out of all of these rooms. And we will head to the back block and we hand over to the, to the contractor on April the 24th for 18 to 20 weeks. And they then refurbish all of this building and we move back in here early September. Next Sunday, we'll show you some pictures and some plans about what that's all going to look like. So for that 18 to 20 weeks, we are going to be housed over in the back block, okay? And that means that uh, everyone will kind of come up through the main stairs to Owen House. The Ark, the little kids will go round to the Ark where they always, they're the only guys that are just as it was, all right? The adults go into the kids and community floor. That's where church will be, 9.30 and 11.30. Youth will go downstairs. The kids, the older DZ kids will go upstairs to OM. We're so grateful to OM and for our partnership and for that ability to use that space. So for 18 to 20 weeks, 22 weeks, it's going to be a little bit of a sandwich. Kids at the top, adults in the middle and youth at the bottom. It's going to be fun. It's going to be change. There's going to be a little bit of loss. There may be a little bit of pain. But how many of you know, unless we embrace pain, we will never grow. It could be hard at first, messy in the middle. But when we come back here and when we've grown, and when we've stretched, and when we've seen God move, it'll be gorgeous. Hard at the beginning, messy in the middle, but gorgeous at the end. And one of the things that we're going to need through this process more than anything else, guys, we're going to need oneness. I spoke about this at Encounter recently. That's not unity. That's deeper than unity. It's oneness. It's where we act and behave as one. 
It's where we lock shields rather than locking horns. It's where we carry weight together. So wouldn't it be amazing if on Easter Sunday, every single one of us maybe could think about praying and inviting somebody to come Easter Sunday. Could you imagine if, if every one of us invited someone to come Easter Sunday and even a small percentage of those gave their life to Jesus in the next year, we'd be in a move of God that none of us had ever experienced before. It'd be phenomenal. But carrying weight means, means through this process of change that we're going through, it means showing up, not stepping back. I guarantee many of you will say this over the next 22 weeks or so. You'll say, oh, do you know what? I'm so disruptive at the back. It isn't quite locked. Isn't it funny how we get used to things? Do you know what I mean? Like this was new and now it's familiar. And all of a sudden that's going to be new and then become familiar. And then we'll be back in here and that's new. And that, it, that's just life. But how many of you will over the next 22 weeks will say, I don't want to go on Sunday morning. I don't want to show up really because it's a little bit awkward. and I haven't got my favorite seat, which you've got now here in the venue. You know, and it's a little disruptive and I can hear the kids upstairs and the youth you know, downstairs and, and the sun's shining. And so what? Come on. We've got to show up. We've got to be bigger than that. We've got to be bigger than that. And we are going to grow through the season, not by us stepping back, but by us all stepping forward. Remember a couple of years ago, God gave us that word, enter in. We can be as innovative as you like. We can start locations in Hagley, in Honolulu, in anywhere. All right? And that will mean nothing unless the people, unless the people show up. Unless we enter into what God wants for us, all we'll end up doing is activity. That's all we'll end up doing. But we need to show up during this season. We need to pray. We need to invest. We need to invite. We need to be there through this difficult period of change. That's so, so important. I mean, how many churches do you know that when they have a fire in their auditorium, move into a building like this the next week and don't miss a beat and continue to grow. How many do you know? And then who then move out of this building so it can be refurbed and then move into another building at the back that they also own. I'll tell you what, very few. You know what? When you turn up on the kids' floor on April the 23rd and it's a little different and it's a little cramped and it's a little unusual, give God thanks for what we've got because we are so blessed, aren't we? We are so incredibly blessed and grateful to God. And so there's a way that we can embrace the pain. And that is by handling this, this change process in this way. We want, we want to be one. We want to lock shields rather than lock horns. We want to believe the best, not the worst. We want to talk it through rather than acting it out. There's a lot of change coming. Before we start acting it out, let's talk it out. Let's be communicating with one another by embracing the pain because ultimately pain will bring growth if we embrace it correctly. I want to just talk about the third factor. If you can take that uh, from me now. Thanks, Robin. The third thing. So, so you've got to have desire. You've got, you've got to want it. You've got to have pain. You have to embrace it. But then you have to have movement. You have to move it. Move it, move it. If you've watched Madagascar, you've got to move it. You've got to have movement. T.D. Jakes, who's an African-American preacher, I love this guy. He says, if you don't break your routine, nothing will change. If you continue to do what you've always done, you will get what you've always got. You've got to have movement. And we sat yesterday as leaders around a table uh, in, in there and we had food together and we prayed. And we just said, God, we are committed to being a church of movement. We want to move, God. We want to move with the breath of your spirit. We want to move where you're leading us. We are not just going to stay stuck because there's more for us than that. We want to be a people of movement. God is a God of movement. He moves people as part of his process, as part of his purpose. Not only moving geographically, but maybe more importantly, moving in terms of mindset and attitude. 
You know, that's so important. But occasionally he does move geographically as well. And so, and so um, Abraham was moved to leave his home and go to another land he didn't know. Moses was moved to go to another country. Joseph got moved. Joseph and Mary were moved to Bethlehem. And then the Savior of the world comes out of that process. You know, the early church was, were, were moved out of Jerusalem and the world was changed. We're about to embark on a move. We're moving into a new location, but it's deeper than that. We've got to become people of movement. You know, God is a God of movement, isn't he? God is a God of movement. You know, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You know what it is to give up a son? Do you know what it is to give up a son and to let him go? I'll tell you, it, there's nothing like it as a parent on planet earth than to give up a son or to give up a daughter or to see that person go. And yet God loves us so much that he gave up his only son. He moved his son. His son moved so that you and I could find a way back to God. I think, my goodness. As a parent, as a parent, you gave up your son so that I could find a way back to God. That's incredible. And so you and I, okay, if you're Christians this morning and part of this church, we've got to be a people of movement so that other people can find a way back to God. We've got to. You know, last weekend, we, um, Alison and myself and some friends were in Budapest uh, as a, a city break, celebrating a birthday, her birthday, and wedding anniversaries and all that kind of stuff. And um, we went to some great buildings, and I love city breaks and been to many European cities. You know, European cities are full of great cathedrals that are nothing now but monuments. They were built to the glory of God. God's spirit moved on, but they didn't. I don't want to be like that, do you? And I tell you what, the real danger for us, the longer we go, is that we want to just say, hey, let's just grow old together. Let's just grow old together, worshiping Jesus with the songs that we like and the way that we like it. And let's grow old together. I ain't doing that. Because we have a world that is desperately in need of hope and help and salvation. This last week in Stourbridge, two people lost their life. You know that story. Murdered in their own house. We need God now more than we've ever needed him. And, and, and I, I sat with a church leader this week, and I'm going to get emotional. I sat with a church leader this week, and, and it was upset about, you know, or, or about us going to Hagley, whatever. It doesn't matter too much. But basically, it was that I thought you guys would just come in, and you just wanted to meet here on your own. Just a small, I didn't think you wanted to reach anybody in this community. And I thought, and there you go. And that's the problem. That's the issue, isn't it? And that's why there are so many churches that are old and small and dying. Folks, come on. We've got the gospel, haven't we? We've got the gospel. It's good news for every single person on planet Earth. We've got to move. We've got to be a people of movement. And it isn't just about us doing things. It's about us stepping into it. What could happen if you and I became missional people? Not just multiplying churches, but missional people, where every single one of us took it seriously to go into our world and to share the good news of Jesus and to invite people and to have conversations with people and to see them come to faith and to see them grow as followers of Jesus. What could the world look like? It would be absolutely amazing. But we have to embrace the pain. We have to have the desire and we have to move it. We have to move. I want to ask the band if they could come back. You know, on Tuesday night, we're, we're going to be praying into this. And if you're a part of this church, I want to ask you to come Tuesday night and be a part of the prayer. Let's fill this place with people praying and seeking God for this next month. The Bible says not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit. You know, we're working really hard and we're going to, I'll go home and then three o'clock I'll be at Hagley. And then after Hagley, we're rehearsing for Easter Sunday. We'll work our butts off, okay? Because we believe in it. But unless God moves by his spirit, nothing will happen. 
nothing will happen. Because our movement is about almost like moving, saying, God, would you move? God, because if we would move, then maybe you would move. And when you move, incredible things will happen. And I want to challenge you as an individual. Are you growing? Are you growing? Are you growing? You know, don't compare yourself to someone else. Compare yourself to where you were a year ago. Are you growing in your walk with Jesus? Are you growing in your service for Him? Are you growing in your mission for Him? If you're not, are you hungry to grow? You've got to want it. You've got to want it. As a married couple, are you growing in your marriage? As a church, are we growing? And as I was preparing this, I felt the Holy Spirit gave me a phrase. He said this, that many of us have stalled. It's like we were going along really well in life and we've stalled. But some of us have crashed. You've hit something. It hit something in your life. And you were growing as an individual. Whether you're a Christian or not, you were growing as an individual and you hit something and now you've crashed and you've stopped. Some of us aren't growing because we've overwhelmed. We just got overwhelmed with life and with challenge and with circumstance. And then I felt the Holy Spirit say that there will be some of us here this morning and you're not growing with God because you've never started that process. You've never given your life to Him. You could do that today. You could do that today. So I want to invite you just to close your eyes with me for a moment. And we're going to pray. And I want to just ask you, if there's anybody here and you've not started that process of growth with Jesus, you've never given your life to God, and maybe it's the first time you've been here, or maybe you've been here many times, and you think, but I don't know everything, I don't understand everything, that's okay. The only thing you need to understand is this. God loves you. He's crazy about you. And He wants you to find a way back to Him. And you can do that simply by saying, God, if you're there, I want to know you. I want to start that process of discovery with you. And you can just say, I want it. And I'm, I'm beginning to move. I want to move towards you, God. And you can do that today. So if there is anyone here, so that you know you've done it, I want you just to quickly do something. Everyone's got their eyes closed. I want you just quickly just to put your hand up to say, hey, that's me. I want to know God. I want to know God. That's great. Thank you. Thank you at the back. Anybody else? Thank you at the back. It's amazing. Thank you, God. Is there anyone else? Thank you at the front as well. Thank you. Father, I want to pray for these people that have just responded to you. God, would you come now? Lord, you know, when we move towards you, you're already moving towards us. You are the God of movement. God, you don't stand there on some big hill or some big mountain with your arms folded until we get it all right and then until we get it sorted. And then you, you, you kind of say, okay, now you can come up. God, you're already running down a hill to us. That's why you sent your son. That's why you gave up your son. Lord, I pray that you will come into these people's lives and that you, they will know that you love them and that they will know, Lord God, that, that, that they're finding their way back to you. They're already in that process and you're already moving towards them. And we thank you, God, for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amazing. Now, if you're married this morning, I want to ask you to stand up for a moment. Now, if you're single, please do not be offended. We very, very rarely do anything like this because we're very sensitive about not wanting to offend or, or segregate or anything like that. So please forgive me. But I want to pray for our marriages right now, okay? So please take the hand of your husband or wife, not somebody else, 
All right, make sure it's the right one. So open your eyes, make sure you've got the right one. If they're not here, then we're praying for them by proxy as well. And I want to pray for you. Father, we want to pray for our marriages, Lord God. We want to pray for our relationships, Lord Jesus, that are under such pressure and such strain right now. God, we pray against the enemy's schemes to break up relationships and to break up families. And Father, we just pray that these people would know your presence. And God, I pray that you'd put a hunger within all of us to want to grow. We don't want to be the same. Now, I pray, God, these marriages, these will be better the longer they go. God, may the sex be better. May the love be deeper. May the relationship be stronger. May it all be stronger the longer they go on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And why don't we all stand? We want to pray for our church, don't we? Just us all stand together. We want to pray for our church as we enter into this month. You know, we want to pray for... That community there in Stourbridge in Norton, so affected by that murder that happened, trouble murder that happened in the week. And we want to pray for the churches down there. But, you know, in the midst of that, we want to pray for our church here as well and for the challenge that we've got, but the great opportunity we've got. So why don't you join with me as we pray? And then we're going to pray through a final song together as well. Jesus, we thank you that you are a God who loves us, who's a God of movement, who's always moving towards people, not away. And so, Lord, I pray that we will be hungry to grow. Give us a desire, Lord. Stir up a hunger. God, let us embrace pain and the change and the lost process that we could grow through that. And then, Lord, let us be a people who move it, who move it, Lord God, who move towards people, not away. God, who reach hands out. We don't fold our arms. We open our arms. God, sometimes I know I'm so I can't even move across the street to talk to my neighbour, God. And yet, Lord, you moved out of heaven so that I could find a way back to you. God, forgive me and help us to be a people who move with you, I pray. God, there must be more than this. There must be more than we've experienced of you and of your kingdom. And God, I pray that as we enter into this month and as Easter Sunday comes and as we go beyond that, Lord, and all of the challenges that we've got coming ahead, God, may we embrace the change. May we embrace the pain. And God, may we move towards you and towards your purposes. Yes, it's hard at first. Yes, it's messy in the middle. But God, it'll be gorgeous at the end. So Lord, would you help us, I pray, and stir up our hunger. Let your Spirit come, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing this final song. Can I just say, after we've finished, um, there's a prayer room here. We'd love to pray for some of you. Those of you that made a response this morning, we'd love to pray for you. And uh, or anybody else, if you've got any issues or needs in your life, there's people there that would love to pray for you here this morning. Let's pray as we sing this amazing song and let's let God stir up our hunger for more of Him and hunger to grow for Him.